The Triathlon Hour is brought to you by Pillar Performance. In 2023, I set out the goal to be a better version of myself in every way. And one big thing I identified was that almost every day, I went through patches of feeling so tired that I'd just struggle to function. The first one was always when I'd wake up first thing in the morning. I just felt like I wanted to go straight back to sleep every single morning. And then again in the afternoon was the next big one at like 2 to 4 p.m. Every day, I just hit this massive wall and struggle through the Arvo not being myself. Adding Pillar Performance's True Magnesium to my nighttime routine every single day completely changed that in 2023. And it really has made me a more energetic version of myself from the moment I wake up and right through to the moment I go to sleep at night. I enjoy training first thing in the morning more than I ever have. And I probably enjoy where I used to dread getting out the door to train in the afternoon after work. I think it was something that I just like, by the time it came around, be like, oh, I guess I've got to go and get this done. Whereas now I'm like, I'm, yeah, I can't wait to get out the door. I'm really excited to train. I'm pretty convinced like 90% of that, maybe more, is because of how much better I sleep at nights. And I think I sleep so much better at nights because I've added triple magnesium from Pillar Performance. And, and I know I say it every week, but it really is because I 110% completely believe in it. And if you haven't tried Pillar's triple magnesium for yourself yet, because maybe you think I'm lying, maybe you don't think it'll do anything for you. And I just honestly think you have to try it at least once to see, because I know how much it's helped me and I know how many people it's helped because so many people this year in 2023 have messaged me telling me the exact same things that I get on here and say every single week, um, that they wake up with more energy, that they enjoy training first thing in the morning more, that they're just a better version of themselves because of how much better their sleep is. So if you do want to try it or you just want to stock back up because you've already tried it and are a convert, then head to Pillar Performance's website and make sure you use the discount code HTT20 for 20% off your order. Guy, you've had such a solid year in general, but particularly the back end of the year was super impressive with your seventh place at Kona in a year where I don't think anyone was really talking about you to be a factor in that race. And then your ridiculously impressive win at Ironman Florida a few weeks later. Uh, And then after that Florida win, I was talking to someone in your team who sort of hinted at the fact that there was a lot more to your story of getting back to the pointy end of long course triathlon this year than what we all sort of knew. And I thought, well, I've got to ask Sky to jump on the pod and tell me about it. And so I still don't know what he was talking about. Uh, and I don't really know what question to ask here, but I definitely want to hear more about what's been going on behind the scenes with you. And, you know, maybe there's some stuff that we haven't been aware of and yeah, just hear all about your year. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me and wanting to explore a bit more of my story. Cause certainly there's some things I haven't really talked publicly about and a lot that I was kind of processing, um, especially towards the end of last year, I guess I would say. And so to get to where I ended with Kona and Florida specifically, I'm, I'm super happy to feel like, I feel like myself again, right? I feel like I'm uh, improving, performing, I'm happy. And and that's really what's important in life. So, yeah. And so what, what's been the difference? What, what was it that maybe was going on at the back end of 2022 and, and, 
Like, what have you done to get to being at the place you're in at the back end of 2023? Yeah. I mean, you don't know the question to ask, but you're good at asking questions because that's that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, honestly, towards the back half of last year, I just I wasn't that happy in the sport. And I really felt like I needed to make some big changes. And um, I don't want to put blame on any one person or one thing, but certainly one of the biggest factors that I knew needed to change was my coach. Um, it just wasn't a good relationship for me anymore. It wasn't, we weren't on the same page on a lot of things. And there were some things that happened specifically really close before Kona last year in 2022. I want to be very clear. This was 2022, not 2023. That really, really upset me. And I was just, in hindsight, there's some things I wish I would have done differently um, to get myself out of the situation. But yeah, I mean, I'll I'll go right into it unless you have another question. <laughs> no, I, I want to hear about it. So who were you being coached by in 2022? Yeah, in 2022, I was still with Cam Watt, who I started working with in 2018. And we had a lot of success. Um, like working with him, I went from a nobody who never podium to podium podium and winning races a lot you know so we what we were doing in terms of training and yeah just the relationship it was it was good and it, it worked and the training worked um and then yeah until it didn't and honestly one of the really big factors for me that wasn't healthy working with him anymore was the focus on weight um, and it's funny because I was on your podcast right before Kona 2022, I think. And I think you asked me about weight and I probably just, I probably gave my opinion on it, but didn't want to talk too much about it because it's just such an interesting topic in sport. But I think it's something that really needs to be talked about more. Um, um, anyway, yeah, one of the big things, kind of the nail in the coffin for me with my old coach was he sent me a message five weeks before Kona 2022 telling me that I needed to lose three kilos before Kona, which was five weeks away. And basically, if I didn't do that, then that was a performance limiter and I I was just going to participate and and then also proceeded to tell me that um, I was fourth in St. George at the Ironman World Championship that year and if I had been four kilos lighter, I would have been on the podium and gave the reasons for that. So I was just like, so pissed off by that message, as you can imagine. Um, and I was pissed off for a lot of reasons. Like, first of all, that that conversation couldn't be had in person. Um, if, if something like weight is such a sensitive topic and you never know what someone, how someone feels about their weight or how they feel about losing weight or the focus being on weight. Um, and I was just pissed that that couldn't be had in person. I thought that was, I didn't respect that delivery. And I was crushed that he thought that my, my St. George performance was, you know, if I had just been lighter, I would have performed better and been on the podium. Cause I was really, really proud of that performance, to be honest. Like World Championship St. George, that is, I gave everything. I executed probably my best race, one of my best races ever. And then 
fourth at my first world championship and crossing the finish line, it was like the most destroyed I had ever been in an Ironman. So I was just so content in that I had given everything. I had trained so incredibly leading into the race as well. Like best power numbers on the bike, best run numbers as well. Like some of the best run workouts I'd ever done. And of course with weight, usually the reasoning is like, oh, well, you can just run so much faster if you're lighter. So that just didn't even seem relevant to me because I was performing so well, even in training. Um, anyway, so I guess all of that is to say I was not in a good headspace at the end of last year. I was sick of my performances being not dictated as if weight was the only reason or the only thing that mattered in performance, but as if like, you can train incredibly, but none of it matters if you're not at this arbitrary number that someone thinks you should be. And I just completely disagree with that. I just think it's completely disgusting and not relevant because, you know, we'd never, he, 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 for example, didn't even know how much I weighed at the time. We'd never done like DEXA scans, a body composition or anything. And just to look at someone and say, you need to lose this much weight or you need to weigh this much. It's just, it's not there's just not a place for that in sport anymore and it's totally unhealthy um I'm totally rambling here but I feel very strongly about this and the other thing that's so disappointing to me about working with a coach who put so much focus on weight for me was that I was never injured I never got injured I never had a stress fracture like still to this day I've never had a stress fracture I've never lost my period you know like all the telltale signs of not um, eating enough or fueling well enough. Like I did not suffer from those things. So not to say that like I had a full grasp on weight and that I couldn't be leaner or whatever, but I just tried not to focus on it. I always tried to focus on fueling well and performing. And I think that's showed in my consistency over the years. So anyway, yeah, whew, that's where I was at last year. Like I was just not happy about triathlon um and it's hard when you're in a coaching relationship for a long time I mean that was a five-year relationship it's really hard to get out of it actually because then you question like well if I leave this person am I going to be as good um is this training like the best training for me or oh there's so much history should we work this out should I try to work this out but ultimately I knew like no I just need to get out of this and in hindsight I kind of wish I would have just backed myself and left right when he sent me that message and but of course five weeks before Kona you're not gonna like leave your coach so I don't know yeah I was not very happy oh. and I, I honestly I thought I like had it under control of course because you know I'm like tough mentally tough I'm a freaking Ironman pro triathlete and I think I handled it as well as I could have through Kona um but no doubt it totally affected me you know and definitely knocked my confidence. It, it just makes you question a lot of things. I was just trying to think back then to when you did come on the podcast before Kona last year. And I, I the, probably the one memory I have from it is you telling me that you would look in the mirror and not really like what you saw sometimes. Um, oh, yeah. Which at the time I was like, I remember when you said it, I was like, oh, like we can all relate to that. Um, and, For sure. And I just, but I didn't realize, obviously that there was also this uh, extra layer going on behind the scenes. How much of 
of that was influenced by someone who you you know who you're trusting with your your life in a way with your professional career and and you know anyone who knows the relationship between a pro athlete um and and a professional triathlon coach like it is you're you're talking every day it's sort of like you know you probably control your life in a lot of ways it's probably the closest relationship in your life outside of maybe your significant other it's it's a really intimate deep relationship um how how big an impact was it actually having in you um and the way you viewed yourself and and the way you were eating and the way you know things were were being mm-hmm. processed in your head yeah for sure it for sure had a huge impact on me and i would say it just kind of wore on me throughout the years um when i first started working with cam and i don't want to make this a bash cam session like i honestly considered him an extremely good friend and we got along really well and he helped me accomplish almost every goal I could have dreamt of, you know, in triathlon. Um, so it's not like it's all, I don't want to make it about him and you know, there's a lot of positives, but this, even from the beginning, I was told I needed to lose weight and that there was this number that I needed to be at. And um, so I was just very aware. And then just being in a squad environment and getting to know other athletes, you just become very aware at how prevalent disordered eating and obsession with weight can be. Um, And I, it's so crazy because, you know, I don't come from a super elite sport background my entire life. Like literally I got into triathlon in 2015 is when I got serious. (laughs) So um, it never crossed my mind when I started pro triathlon that I would need to worry about my weight. And maybe that's really naive, but I just assumed, and this goes back to even my very first coach. I remember the first time I went and met with him, he said to me, um, he, he said to me, you know, you'll, you'll have to get really lean because the top women in the sport, they're, they're, they're pretty lean. And I said to him, well, I'm, I'm just coming off a tax busy season. Remember I'm a tax accountant. I said, well, I just sat at a desk for like 15 hours a day for the last three months. Like just just by virtue of exercising every day and not sitting at my desk, like no doubt my body's just going to become what it should become. Right. Like it never crossed my mind that I would need to focus on that. Um, it just was completely foreign to me. I, because in the past, in my brief, like running and cycling experience and local triathlon experience, it was like, I fuel my body. I tell it to go hard and it goes hard. It was never like, Oh, I need to starve myself so that I can look a certain way and then hopefully be faster. So I just didn't ever subscribe to it. So then to have a coach telling me that I needed to lose weight to run a certain time, it was always about the run usually. Like, oh, you want to run this time? Let's keep working on losing weight. Oh, you want to run a sub three marathon? We definitely need to get those those three kilos. It was like always three or four kilos that I needed to lose. Um, and I... I I didn't like it. I mean, obviously I trusted him. So I was like, yeah, okay. I do need to lose this weight, but I never did it. Well, first of all, I never lost all the weight that was recommended to me. (laughs) Like it just, it never happened. But even when I was trying to lose weight, it was never with extreme measures. Like I never starved myself. I just don't have that in me. I guess I just like eating too much and I don't like feeling hungry, (laughs) (laughs) but, but for sure it got to the point where I was like, okay, yeah, maybe maybe 
if I have to be that light to run that or whatever, then I would start questioning, like, do I need a fuel this session? And do I need to really eat that? Or yeah, maybe I shouldn't be eating this ice cream once in a while or whatever. Um, which is just, it's just crazy. Like it just shouldn't be an obsession. It shouldn't, I do not believe that weight should be the focus in elite performance. It's the byproduct of taking care of your body appropriately. And yeah, maybe if you want to trim a little extra weight, cause you think it's going to help you in the heat and Kona, knock yourself out. But like, for me, if I'm happy and I'm healthy, that's how I'm going to get the best out of myself. Yeah. And like, how much of it do you think is just the fact that Cam is like a little bit of an old school coach, you know, comes from the old school cycling background and it's sort of ingrained in the, in the culture there that lighter is faster. And so it's versus like probably the more modern age way of thinking, particularly in long course triathlon right now, like everyone just getting into the sport right now is definitely coming into like a more body positive culture of like, Hey, like eat to fuel your training, like fuel, fuel Mm -hmm. more, if not it, like, don't starve yourself, like fuel more during your sessions, after your sessions, um, fuel for performance. That's like really big in our sport right now. And it's, it's great. It's so good. Even, even compared to when when you got in the sport. Um, but if you go all the way back to when Cam got involved in the sport, you know, the nineties, the early two thousands, uh, it was very different there. And you talk to everyone from back in those days and it was all about like, Hey, leaner is better. Skinnier is better. Starve yourself. Um, did, did, did Cam ever sort of like, did he ever talk to you about like, well, like why he had those thoughts or why he felt you needed that? Or he just sort of would always say like, well, the, the top guys are skinny or the top girls are skinny. Um, you need to be skinny too. Well, it, that's a funny question because he actually, I mean, I think he just generally believed it, but he also, he had like these photos he would show athletes of like, really top level female athletes like medal olympic medalists world champions and it was like before and after photos of when they were before which was they were not fat at all of course but they weren't lean and mean sinewy you know skin and bones athletes and it was like before and after look at before and then look at them winning the olympics look at before and then look at them winning kona look at before you know what i mean so it was I guess he just saw that like, oh, correlation, you lose weight, you get faster, you're better. And that's the answer. And for me, I would always rather be, (laughs) I mean, I would rather be a couple kilos, quote, overweight and extremely healthy and never injured and consistent as, as I could have possibly be versus like, yeah, dealing with health issues because I'm, I'm just bordering too light all the time. So when, when did he show you those photos? Uh, it was before he was even my official coach, actually. The history, the history goes way back. So yeah, I went to Australia to train because I needed to change. Um, you know, I wasn't performing. I wanted to work with a coach who knew how to train elite level athletes. And so I went to Australia to um, train with his squad. I'd met him and Sarah Crowley in um, Utah. And so I went and put myself, I went to Brisbane, trained in Brisbane for a couple months and got a taste of everything and 
Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm honestly kind of ashamed that I believed it and believed that I, I was like, oh yeah, look at it. Like you lose weight, you get faster. Um, yeah. So that to answer your question, it was before he was my coach, it was probably 2018. Um, but it, I was there in Australia working kind of with him, just not officially. It's pretty crazy, isn't it? Because you did start to get like world-class results yeah. when you started um, working with Cam in like 2019, 2020, 2021. 2018 is when 20, we started. 2018 yeah. even, yeah. Um, but, but you just had like, I remember your year, your years 2018 and 2019, like I just remember you as suddenly someone who just started coming first or second in every race you did. And I'm yeah. like, I don't, <laughs> like I knew of you in 2017, I think. I didn't know you in 2016. I remember 2017 was the first time I sort of got like knew who you were. I'm like, oh, how do you say her last yeah. name? Um, <laughs> yeah, how but, do you but say it, Jack? <laughs> uh, it rhymes with lunch. Lunch, munch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sky lunch munch. That's how I always like say it in my head. Cool. Because um, it's, yeah, it is one of the trickier names. Um, but yeah, 2018, I remember just being like, oh, you know, like this has changed. And then 2019 and 2020, you certainly sort of cemented yourself and then, by the time we came into 2022, like you were definitely like I remember yeah. me and Craig Alexander did a podcast before the St George Ironman World Championships, and we were talking about you as one of the favourites to win it. And then, sure enough, you were out in front um, yeah. and, and ended up coming fourth uh, in that race. And it's like, so it's such a like a a tough one because y- your success did come from when you were working with Cam, but then also there was this. Um, sort of thing bubbling under the surface that no one knew about while you were working with him that was having a really negative impact on your mental health yeah. and the way you you um, maybe even viewed yourself, which is For like sure. quite sad really. And it's like we, we live in a performance industry where if you want to be known and if you, if you want to make money and if you want to be successful, you've you've got to win races. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it, to the outside, it probably looked like that relationship was getting you to the place you needed to go but ultimately it got you to a place where you were like really bloody unhappy yeah. and it's like it's quite sad uh to hear that um and it's yeah no one no one knew that it was happening um so yeah i mean i guess that takes me to the 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 next question <laughs> in how did how did the the relationship end ultimately um yeah, it took me a while to officially end it because like I mentioned, I was I was playing my own mind games of like, well, do I end this? There's so much invested. Am I am I gonna be as good with another coach? So I'm, and honestly, I even went so far to, as to question if I wanted to do triathlon anymore because I was just like, this is mentally exhausting, physically exhausting. I don't if weight is the end all be all in the sport, then I don't want to do it. Like that's how I felt. Um, so when I talked to new coaches, (laughs) I told them one of the big, I mean, I told them stories and I, number one question was like, what's your opinion on weight? Um, I asked every single one of them who I talked to. Um, so anyway, I ended the relationship. It did not end well. I don't, in my view, um, I tried to end it nicely, but it didn't end how I would have hoped. Did you want to tell us that story? Well, there's not much to tell. I mean, I just, I said a nice message, like, you know what, I've decided he'd sent emails out to the squad and was like, you know, let me know how committed you are to next year, whatever. And I hadn't responded yet. And um, so then he reached out towards the end of the year and just said, 
are we going to keep working together? And I said, you know, I've really been wrestling with this because I had been. Um, I was in a lot of ways, I felt sick about it, which is silly to think now. Like, I wish I would have just cut it off <laughs> before Kona. But um, I just said, you know, I need to move on. You know, thank you so much for everything. We've accomplished so much. And the incredible thing is that Cam and I were re were remote for like three of those five years. I didn't see him for, for almost three years during COVID because he was in Australia and I couldn't go there and leaving was extremely expensive and difficult as you would know. So yeah, I just, I, I sent him a short, but very nice, grateful message. And all he said back was, thanks for letting me know. It's like, and then the next time he messaged me, he was demanding me to send stuff to him. And I said, I'm not sending you anything. Um, anyway, yeah, it just, it wasn't how I would have hoped, but also I wasn't surprised. Um, yeah. So it kind of confirmed my decision, I guess. What stuff did he want you to send to him? Oh, it was just some gear that like he would buy stuff to have us try, like um, some arrow bars that he bought and he was here and he left them at my house. And um, of course, I, I gave it all back to him but I just wasn't going to ship it to Australia. I was like, well, if you have someone who, who you can arrange to get these for you, like, that's great. But, um, I'm not, I'm not sending, I'm not paying to send this back to you. It was left at my house, you know? So, um, yeah, it was nothing major. <laughs> just, just like, yeah. Arrow bars, some chains. Yeah. And we, we sort of touched on it earlier, like Coach athlete relationships are big. Yes. Like they are huge, huge invo like huge emotional investment on both sides. Yeah. And so I'm just like, I, I hate, I hate uh hearing your story. Like it's a big uh passion of mine. Like I think uh triathlon has fucked up way too many lives from people thinking their bodies yes. need to be a certain <laughs> way when they don't. Like it really has. Like yes. I, I've experienced it firsthand back in the day when I was racing. I like I know so many people who have hearing your story, it resonates with everyone. Like people still have it. Yeah. People in our sport still go, I need to be skinnier. I need to lose weight. And it's a fucking shitty part of our sport yeah. that, that I think we all wish didn't existed. And we just could like, cause from the outside looking in like triathlon, but particularly uh, like bred by Ironman, there's like this, you know, image of, of triathletes and Ironman triathletes and long course triathletes of being like, superhumans, mm -hmm. really fit humans. And like, you know, the average person goes and does an Ironman and, and just, you know, gets the, like the, the, the M dot tattooed on them. Um, so that they like, cause they, cause they just see it as such like a, uh, like a, like a measure of how hard they worked and like what they, and like how big the thing they accomplished was. And, and I think once you really get in the sport, there can be some unhealthy aspects that come with that. And, and like, body weight and body image is one of the biggest ones. So mm -hmm. I, I think we do need to like work hard to stamp it out of the sport so that our sport can be a really like completely positive, uplifting space. Um, so like, I hate hearing your story, but I think it's important to talk about though. Like I haven't, Absolutely. I haven't talked about it publicly. I mean, of course I wanted to, I was so pissed off when, I mean, obviously the thing with Kona in 2022, that's not the first time I'd been told to lose weight. Right. But that was just like the boiling point for me that to be told that five weeks before a world championship, that my main focus needed to be losing weight. Like that is not acceptable to me. And of course I wanted to like scream on the, like on the rooftop to everyone, like this is not okay. But um, I also didn't want to come off like dramatic or wanting attention and all these things. And that's why it, people don't want to talk about it either. Like 
it's touchy and everyone has their own experience and whatever. But I think the more we can talk about it, then the more it's going to be like not acceptable to have these, I guess, first of all, to have these um, thoughts or discussions with athletes <laughs> if you're a coach, but also just makes it okay to not have the obsession beyond weight. Like it's, I am a professional athlete and I do not believe that my performance is dictated by a number on the scale. Like I just don't. Do you think, well, where I sort of was heading with that is, do you think that like, cause you and Cam, you're obviously probably both like deeply invested emotionally yeah. into the journey and like really like five years of working together as a professional coach and athlete is a long bloody time with like so many yeah. uh, like feelings associated with that relationship. And, and you sort of, what you described sounded like maybe there's a bit of like, you know, almost like, like what I saw, said earlier, almost like ending a relationship with, with like a romantic partner. And like, you know, in yeah. that way that it's like, it's a it doesn't end cleanly. It's a, it's a breakup in a way. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so it sounded like maybe there was a bit of like, eh, might be reading too much into it, but maybe like, you know, Cam was probably feeling a bit pissed off and angry about it as well. And, and I assume that's a pretty normal feeling when like, Either way, when a coach says to an athlete, hey, I don't want to work with you anymore, or an athlete says to a coach, I don't want to work with you anymore, there's probably going to be a bit of like disappointment, anger, frustration, like, you know, questioning why, all of that kind of stuff. Um, and it, it sort of seemed like by what you said that maybe Cam felt those things. Do, do you think, like, do you think in his mind, do you think he knew that he was doing something wrong by you? Or do you think that, like I talked about earlier, it was just part of, the culture he'd come up in in the sport and he genuinely believed he was trying to do the right thing by you and um, and maybe wasn't even aware he was doing the wrong thing by you? and, and or, or do you think that there was maybe maybe there maybe he knew it, it was like having a big impact on your mental health and just didn't care? Um, I don't think he I don't think he would have thought it was having a mental impact on me. Um, and in fact, I know he said what he said because he believed that was his job. You know, like he said, I have big goals. And so because of my goals, he needs to tell me what I need to hear, essentially. Um, so, yeah, I don't I don't think he thought he was doing anything wrong. I think he did believe he was doing the right thing by me to help me accomplish my goals. And I can understand that he thought that way, um, if that's how he truly believes if he truly believes that's the path to success at the top of a sport so yeah I don't I don't think he probably knew that you know every time there was a discussion on it that it kind of ate away at me um but we had had discussions I remember one time we were driving from St. Moritz to Frankfurt actually to do a race and I remember voicing that like I had I had to come to a place where I respected and had to love my body based on how it looked because yeah I don't look like the leanest meanest woman on the start line like I'm I am who I am and my body is what it is like I have hips I can't help that and I'm I'm not a lifelong athlete who's had 20 years to lean out like crazy I mean I'm not coming up with excuses but it's just people's bodies and physiology are different and for some people, it's really, really easy and they just get lean and look lean all the time. And then for other people, they don't look that way. And it doesn't mean that they're not super fit and they're not super healthy. So, um, yeah, I feel like I just got off track on that. But I, I, oh, the point was, is that I remember telling him that I had had to come to come 
be at peace with my body that I, I could still perform well and not look a certain way. And you know, that I'd sometimes had to really mentally take a grasp and be like, look, don't look down at your legs and hate them. Like love them for what they do for you. Don't hate the way they look like love how strong they are and how fast they can move you through a bike or a run course. Um, you know, like those are, those are things that I've absolutely had to do. And I, I did voice that to him at one point. So I don't know. I think, I think it's just was viewed for him as the pathway to elite performance. And that's just matter of fact. And if I wanted to be one of the best in the world, then I needed to just constantly be trying to be lighter than I ever was. So yeah, I don't think it was malicious, I guess is what I'm saying. I don't believe that, but doesn't mean it's okay. It's a really weird thing to have to hear you like justify why your body's okay. I know. <laughs> you know I know. I mean? Like I feel silly <laughs> saying this because I like, I have so much respect for my body, but when the focus becomes what your body looks like, it's hard not to think that way. And like this last year has been so great for me. Um, and we'll, we'll hopefully talk more about this, but I've been working with Scott at Fuelin and then my new coach, David Til Tilbury Davis, like there is no focus on weight. The focus is on performance always. And it's just so liberating. It's so liberating. I have one more question about this and then I do want to jump okay. forward. Um, <laughs> so with the, uh, with the, the like, hey, you need to lose three kilos. You yeah. need to lose four kilos, Which whatever it we is. We should clarify for the Americans listening. Three kilos is almost seven pounds. It's like 6.6 .6 pounds. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Just you know exactly. Some people don't know. Of course I do. I had to do the math every time. <laughs> it's imprinted on your brain. Yeah. Uh, when that was happening, you were getting a text message like, hey, you need to lose three kilos. You need to lose four, four kilos. Yeah. Um, did it ever come with like, this is how you're going to do it? Like, were you, did you then feel like constant pressure or was it just a throwaway like comment that would happen every now and then? Oh, do you mean like, here's how to lose the weight or? Would it be like, yeah, would it be like, okay, to lose this weight, here's what you have to do and then like follow ups on it? Or was it just like sort of infrequent, like, you know, every couple of months, a message about like, hey, you need to lose some weight? Yeah, I would say it was more the infrequent and it was more around like when I first started with him, it was like, I hadn't run, I hadn't even run like a 125 at the time, half marathon off the bike. So then I think one of the first few, um, 70.3s I did under him, I ran 124. So then he's like, look, if you can run 122, then, you know, you'll be that much better. And if we just keep working on the weight, another three kilos, you'll be this much faster. And then, you know, when it came time to try to run sub three in the marathon, like, you know, I was inching up on that. Then it was like, well, let's keep working on the three kilos. Um, you know, how's I, I remember one time he sent me a message. He'd seen some pictures of me from obviously my most recent races. And he said, looks like, you know, our sub three goal is coming along. Like you're the weights coming along or coming off or something like that. So it wasn't like it was every couple months, but it was, frequent enough that I was very aware that like <laughs> he was aware, you know, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. And it, yeah, it just always came down to like, if you want an Uber performance or you want to run this time, um, we need to focus on this, this weight thing, which 
he told me was a performance limiter for me. So, yeah. <laughs> the fuel you use in training and racing really does matter. One of the big things that's changed in professional triathlon over the past five years is the way the best triathletes fuel. They are all increasing the amount of carbohydrate they use per hour in racing and during hard or long training sessions. I've tried so many different nutrition brands and by far the best I've ever tried is Precision Fuel and Hydration. Their PF90 gel, Flow Gel and Caffeine Gel are seriously amazing. They've never upset my stomach. I've always found the taste and texture really nice and they're way easier and less messy to use than traditional gels when you're out there riding or running. The way they're designed just makes it so easy to start increasing your carbohydrate intake during sessions too. You can take three PF90 gels on a ride, for example, like a three-hour ride, and there's 90 grams per hour. Or you can fill one of your drink bottles with a flow gel, and that's the same thing. All you have to do from there is add like one or two caffeine gels on top of it, or if you're someone who likes a drink mix, maybe add some of their drink mix, and that's all you'd ever need for a whole long ride or, or big hard training session. And the same goes for your race day. It really is such an easy way to start doing what the pros are, which is fueling more during your training and racing. And remember that if you do decide to try it for yourself, which I couldn't recommend highly enough, use the discount code TTH15 for 15% off your first order. And so let's skip forward. You, you talked yeah. about how you then talked to a bunch of coaches. Do you, do you mind sharing which coaches you approach? Because you're, you're, at this point, you're now someone who's one of the best athletes in the world. You know, you've... You finished the the season as you know a top ten, top fifteen athlete, um, sort of like three or four years in a row there. Mm-hmm. How did you go about the process of once you'd sent that that text message um, saying to to Cam that hey I don't want to work together anymore to finding a new coach in David Tilbury Davis? Like how many yeah. people did you talk to? Who did you talk to? Why did you talk to them? Oh, I'm gonna cry talking about this now because <laughs> I just remembered that when it came time to reach out to new coaches, I remember thinking like, oh my gosh, these top coaches probably don't even want to work with me. Cause I'm just like, this is crazy. I literally thought they probably just think I'm like that fat athlete and they don't want to work with that. Um, anyway, it's crazy. And I remember telling a friend that yeah. and she was just like, sky, like, no, you should not think that way. Um, yeah, that is just absolutely. It's that's crazy. that is like that that showed that you probably should have left that, you know, like things had gone a bit too far yes. if that's how you think. Yes, yourself. I know. Yeah, for sure. Um anyway, so I, I actually I think I remember listening to Down the Ring on your podcast and I remember listening to it and being like, "Oh, if I ever leave Cam, like I'm definitely going straight to Down the Ring." <laughs> um <laughs> yeah. and like how can you argue with his track record? So, yeah. I actually How many people have done that exact same thing? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I reached out to him <laughs> and obviously I know he's extremely busy and selective and everything. Um so but he was the first person I reached out to and we never even had a conversation cuz he's just like I'm not taking on new athletes or whatever. Totally respectful and Um, so then I asked him if he had recommendations of, you know, who I might reach out to, um, because I obviously trust his opinion. And David was one of them. And David Tilbury Davis was already kind of on um, the radar for me. And I wasn't in a big rush for this, because I was just so enjoying like, having no pressure. And I didn't feel like myself, even like, I, I didn't want anyone telling me what to do. I just was like, no one's telling me what to do, especially not some man, like no offense, but I was sick of having some man tell me what to do, (laughs) telling me to lose weight. I was just like, no one's telling me what to do. Um, But 
so then I, I sent a message to David Tilbury Davis. I also sent a message to Julie Dibbins. Um, you know, she's here locally and has some great success with her athletes. And then I also reached out to, um, Bjorn Giesman because he's had great success. And, you know, some of some women who I've raced with, particularly Kat Matthews, I look up to her and she's kicked my butt every time we've raced, I think. So, um, I reached out and had a great conversation with all of, with all of those coaches. And it's funny because after, after talking to each coach, I remember thinking like, oh yeah, they'd be so good to work with. I'm going to work with them. And then like, I talked to the next one and think the same thing. So it was a really hard decision, honestly. And I ultimately came to the conclusion that the most important person in this equation, based on the coaches who I talked to, I was like, the most important person is me. Like I have to be happy. I have to be willing to do the work and Otherwise, I just need a coach who's going to be professional, who's not going to make me feel bad about my weight, who's not going to put a focus on weight, and who is going to like commit to helping me be one of the best in the world. Like it I just think I think it's easy to look at a coach and be like, "Oh, you just need to have the best coach to get the best out of yourself," but there's so many other variables that go into a athlete being one of the best in the world. Um so many variables. So, yeah. I sat on that decision for quite a while. And then I just ultimately decided I wanted to work with David. Um, it's not like there was, there wasn't really one big thing or about one coach or the other, but I just was like, you know what, I'm going to work with David. He'll be great to work with. And so we started working together at the end of January, um, 2023. So I went two and a half months without a coach telling me what to do. <laughs> and it was great. Um, yeah. It really is like a relationship, isn't it? It like totally is. You just needed is. that little that little period to you know work on yourself and then get back, like dip your toe back in the game. <laughs> yeah, and even when I started working with David, like I still didn't feel fully like myself, and I knew it. I told him after I told David after Kona, like thank you, and I'm glad that you know things have evolved so well this year because when I started working with him, I I felt like I was faking it to make it. Still, like I had all these feelings. I didn't feel like myself, but I knew, I knew I didn't want to feel that way. So I just knew I needed to, you know, get, get going again and hopefully find the enjoyment again. And I certainly have found that. So. And so yeah. when you were tossing up, um, for that, that few months between, you know, Bjorn Giesman or Julie Dibbins or, um, David Tilby Davis, yeah. what were the things like, what was it that made you know, what was it that made David stand out to you? And what was it that made Bjorn stand out to you? And what was it that made Julie stand out to you? Um, well, obviously I think first on the list for me was just knowing that they had success with athletes. Um, just, just knowing that they would know how to train me at the top level. Um, and then I guess with, I guess with Bjorn, like I'd had, I think some interaction on the race course, even if it was just him, like giving me a split in Kona one or whatever, <laughs> like, I just always felt like he seemed like a good guy and, um, caring and respectful. And, you know, it seems like, it seems like he's had good track records with his athletes. Um, and Julie, you know, I know athletes, she coaches or has coached. And again, it, it like, I was honestly, once I knew they would be able to coach at the top level, then it's like, I just want someone who's going to communicate with me and be professional and respectful, blah, blah, blah. Like I said, so I, 
part of it too is talking to them and getting to know them a little more and hearing more about their philosophy and philosophy on weight and all that stuff. Um, so yeah, I think Julie was just cause she had such a large contingency in the U S um, and Boulder and, you know, seemed like she, they all have good relationships. And then David, I actually spoke to more of David's um, past athletes and that's something I would definitely recommend um, people do when they're looking for a new coach is talking to current athletes or past athletes and just, you know, getting, getting a feel for how things were or, um, and no one, everyone had good things to say. I mean, obviously everyone has their own experience and like, it is a breakup at the end of the day when, the, when that relationship does end, but people are, people are going to be honest with you about their true experience. And so yeah, I just I just felt good about um David. Like I just didn't think there would be anything bad that I would have to worry about. And I I guess the one thing that maybe I got the most vibe from with David is that he would value my input. And not that I didn't get that from the other coaches, because I think at the top level there has to be some level of collaboration. And I would have had that with any coach I went to, but, um, yeah, I just felt I f that appealed to me. Cause that's something David and I had talked about, um, was just a little more collaboration or I don't know if freedom's the word, but a, a bit more like I have more say, and that's something I really needed. Um, cause it was a very different style <laughs> that I was used to. And can you take me into the first sort of month working with David Tilby Davis when, when was that yeah so we started at the very end of January like I think maybe January 28th or 29th was our first day and so how did that first like so for, let's say from February 1st or yeah. you know, give or take through to like March yeah. um, how how was that first month of working with a new coach after five years with the one coach and really like the only coach you'd have had in your professional career yeah. um, to, to a large extent. How, how, how did that change like work and, um, you know, what were the changes that were made in your training and your, and your life as a professional athlete because of the input uh, and the new system um, brought in by David Tilbury Davis? Oh, there was so much. And this is what's crazy is like, obviously we just talked about some things that were pretty heavy for me that I knew I needed out, but just changing can be so good for reasons you don't even know. And one of the best things, <laughs> which probably just seems so basic for some people is David, um, he communicates really well. Like we talk on the phone every week, pretty much like he reaches out every single week and is like, Hey, would these times work to catch up? So we're talking on the phone every week, which is great. Like it just, you're just getting feedback or it makes me feel extremely comfortable to give that feedback. So that was really surprising to me because that was not the case before. Um, there was not that level of voice to voice communication. And um, the other amazing thing that I was not used to was getting my training in advance. Like I was used to getting my training the night before, maybe one to two days before. So it was extremely difficult to plan your life in any way, shape or form. Um, and David gives me two, three weeks at a time. And obviously we adjust the plan if we need to. It's not like we he sets it and forgets it and then says, let me know how it goes. Like 
no, we are in constant communication about it and tweaking it as needed. But just the ability to like have foresight into my life and planning training sessions with friends or things like that, that was that was so helpful for me. Like I didn't realize how monumental that would be in my life <laughs> to be able to plan my life more. So um, it's it's pretty small things that I think had the biggest impact on me. And then obviously the training was really different from what I was used to. I mean, on all counts, I would say it was quite different from what I was used to. But, you know, if if you're doing five years of a lot of the same thing, anything's probably going to feel different if it's not if it's not what you're you've been doing for years on end so um yeah and then obviously I would say those were my impressions in the first month I was just like wow this is really different but I I trusted David that he was going to get me fit and whatever way that looked like it was up to him so you know I just did the training gave him feedback on it and um yeah then obviously the the year progressed a lot more than that first month but it definitely everything felt very different that first month. What were the the differences in in terms of training? Um I feel I feel like overall and I wouldn't have maybe said this in that first month because it takes a while to get a grasp on someone's training, you know? Training yeah, style sure. and uh philosophy and all that, but I would say overall like I just feel so much more aerobically fit, which is really a good feeling. Um and I think particularly helpful with Ironman. <laughs> I feel, I just feel very, very aerobically fit. Um, yeah, I guess the training is hard, but it feels different hard to me. Um, like with David, I don't get regular rest days, like a full day off. So it's just kind of, it's kind of more sustainable feeling to me, right? Like I don't ever, I'm not ever getting to the, well, I'm get very tired. And at the end of the day, I'm exhausted, but I'm never like, I can't go on. Like I need a rest day before I can train again. I don't feel that way. And that's probably in part credit to David's training and, you know, managing the load and in part credit to me and how I recover and how I fuel and all of that. So, um, I think the biggest difference that has kind of been something that I knew I would deal with is the swim training, um, with cam and triceto in general, like there's a very specific way of swimming and training the swim. Like I did a ton of band only a ton of pull boy, pull, pull paddles, just super, super hard trainings in the pool. And, um, not, not that David doesn't do hard training in the pool, but it's just very different, way less zero band only actually and way less um pull paddle and stuff like that so that that has been something that we've kind of had to work on and collaborate on to try and find that happy medium of where I feel like okay this is what I this is how I spent five years developing my stroke and then so let's I don't want to have to reinvent the wheel but also I I understand I can improve on that so yeah I don't know if that's super specific but it's been different <laughs> no <laughs> Not really specific, but so let, let me try and like um, get to the bottom of it. Were, were you doing like more volume on say like a seven day, like a rolling weekly basis with Cam or are you doing more with David? Ooh, I think David overall. Yeah. And, and what do you think it was that was making you sort of fatigued and, and tired and exhausted um, in the in the, the style of training you, do, you were doing under Cam that you don't have with with David is, yeah. is part of it food is part of it fueling 
or do you think there is like a big fundamental difference in the type of training? Yeah, I do think there's a fundamental difference. And I don't want to say this in a way of like, oh, everything I was doing was wrong because obviously it wasn't like it worked and it worked for a long time. Yeah, you came forth in the world. Yeah. yeah. And like, there's a lot of ways <laughs> you can train an athlete to the top. Um, but I will say, I feel like there's a way less super, super intense, like in, in bike sessions before I just felt like I was always trying to push like maximum Watts and there wasn't like a specific zones I guess you could say that we were using like numbers it was always moderate medium mad and for a while I really liked that I liked not having the pressure of numbers and all that and David is very specific in um watts to be targeting in sessions so and it's not always like as hard as you can go go kill yourself on the bike sort of thing but it is hard it's just it's just different <laughs> so yeah hopefully that's more specific yeah I think just the just the overall like upper end intensity isn't the volume of that isn't quite as high. I would say. I have a question on this because I just talked to Josh Amberger, who is also coached by David Tilbury Davis oh, yeah. as his, his partner. And, you know, one of the top three triathletes in the like female long course triathletes in the world in Ash Gentle. Yeah. Uh, and they, they've sort of both talked to me about doing like really hard VO2 max blocks with uh, David Tilbury Davis. Uh, and Josh was talking about how maybe um, like the, they didn't do enough of it at the start of last year, yeah. uh, the start of 2023, because he, he had to cut it short because of racing and he was looking forward to uh, have the chance to do a bit of a longer block of that. But then you've just sort of said like, oh, you're not really doing as much top end <laughs> stuff. So did, did you also do that VO2 blo block or do you think like maybe are they doing slightly different stuff with David to, compared to what you are? Well, it may, you'd have to ask David that question, but at the beginning I did do some, some intense stuff. Like I remember doing, I think it was like an hour bike and it was so hard. I remember just thinking like, that is the hardest 70 minute bike I just have ever done. <laughs> and I, I think I told him Do you remember what it was? So I don't remember what it was. I'd have to go back and try to find it, which would take a minute, but I think it was just like super high end and the recovery was still super high you know what i mean it like maybe it was super vo2 and the recovery was still like iron man watts so it's not like i was actually getting a recovery right so um i think that's what it was just like over unders but like the under was not the over was extremely high and the under was still high <laughs> yeah the under was still over <laughs> yeah exactly so um but it wasn't it wasn't like it was two hours long of that so I, d I think at the very beginning I did, uh, I did more of that, but also remember, like I started with David end of January and the season is starting like in a couple months. <laughs> so I did push back my first race till St. George in May, which is the latest I think I've ever started my season. Um, for, for that reason, knowing that like, okay, I just started with a new coach. I'm meant, I'm mentally and physically rebuilding myself right now. So anyway, Yes, there is intensity. And honestly, I might be freaking in for it like next week. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> there might be a huge VO2 block coming my way. But yeah, it's not to say there's not some intensity. Um, but I guess when I'm thinking of overall the training, I'm thinking of like what I did all summer long and leading into Kona and stuff, um, which again, there was some intensity. It just in every bike session wasn't like as hard as I can possibly go. You had a pretty good result to start. You came second at St. George, didn't you? And I remember you had the fastest yeah, bike split there as well. 
Uh, yeah. Yeah. So clearly whatever it was was working. And how much, oh, yeah. of, how much of that good start to the year do you think was because of the headspace you were in? Well, it's funny because I think even St. George, I didn't feel totally myself again. Like it, it honestly took me the season. It, it took me probably till Frankfurt. So like July, yeah. Um, you know, going and doing that Ironman and leading it for a long time. Like that was really a good feeling for me. Um, but for sure the headspace was part of it, um, being in a better headspace for sure. And then new stimulus, new everything. Like it was, it was, it was an exciting time, even if I didn't feel a hundred percent myself again, um, in St. George. Can you tell me about your progression this year, both as like, you know, working with, with your new coach in David and, and how like your, your trainings evolved, but maybe like more of a focus on where you're at mentally um, from, yeah. from sort of, you know, the end of 2022 to where you're at like, sitting here with us today, um, coming off a like fucking amazing back end <laughs> of the year, to be, to be honest. Um, yeah. You know, like how, how has your, how's your mental health going? Like, uh, how, like, how are you going right now? Oh, well, right now I'm extremely happy and I'm, I feel like in love with the sport again, right? Like I'm, I miss, I was thinking about the, the marathon in Florida where I ran my fastest marathon and I'm like, oh man, I already missed that feeling. Like I want to get back to that. Um, just the feeling of racing and pushing yourself. It's, it's fun. Um, so yeah, I guess mentally, mentally, I have no complaints. I feel great <laughs> and I'm excited to keep going in triathlon. So, um, yeah. And I think the journey was, I kind of mentioned, I, I knew I was kind of faking it at the beginning and faking it just meant that I needed to force myself to go through the motions. And it didn't mean I didn't care, but you can't like force those feelings. You can't force yourself to be super passionate or force yourself to just love something, but you can force yourself to go through the motions. So I think that's kind of what I was doing at the beginning of the season. And I just knew that it would come back. I'm like, this is going to come back. I just have to, you know, go through this. Um, and I would say a big part of it was starting to work with Scott at Fuelin. Um, I reached out to Scott after Chattanooga 70.3 in May because I, I, I wanted to do everything I could to be the best I could. And I was having these thoughts creep in about eating of just like questioning, like, Oh, should I even fuel this session? Or should I try to lose weight? Or, you know, just these questions that I I don't need to be spending energy on. Like, yes, fuel the session. Um, so I reached out to Scott because I was like, I just need someone who can tell me, I want someone who can tell me like exactly what to eat for each session and what I should eat before and all these things. So I don't have to worry about it. Just like completely take it off the table mentally and emotionally. And, um, so I started working with Scott at the end of May and that's been awesome for me mentally. Like I have zero stress about my feeling now. I just do what Scott recommends. And obviously I give him feedback and we, we collaborate on what's best for me, but that was something that weighed on me mentally, unfortunately. So taking that weight off my shoulders, like no pun intended using the weight word, but <laughs> like that was huge for me mentally. Um, because the and working with Scott put eating and all and weight and everything back 100% into this is about performance and David as well like David is totally on the same page with weight as 
Scott, like it's about fueling for performance. Um, so anyway, yeah, like just building the right team around me has just helped me mentally focus on what matters and that's fueling and training well and recovering and enjoying my life, <laughs> you know, like I just needed to get back to that. And I, I just, I lost it and I don't want to put, I don't want to say, oh, that's all a coach's fault. Like, no, it's on me too. I'm, I'm an adult. I take responsibility and I should have recognized things and taken action sooner or whatever to make sure that I was staying happy. But um, yeah, it's, it's just kind of been the slow evolution. And it's like the more I raced that year, the more I enjoyed it. And the more I realized that I was still good, I think like that's, that's something I kind of had to prove to myself again. I'm like, no, I am good. I'm still good at this and I can still be good. Um, Cause I think that kind of got lost at the end of last year. If you've got big races coming up or plans to do a triathlon in the future and need to sort out having a fast, comfortable and amazing looking triathlon suit, then Win Republic is where you need to look. Head to Win Republic's website at winrepublic.com and check out all of their amazing world-leading triathlon suits. They were designed by professional triathletes Luke and Beth McKenzie who care about four things. They care about speed, comfort, practicality and looking bloody good. Use the discount code TTH15 for 15% off anything you get from their website because they've also got some equally amazing cycling and running kit to have a look at while you're there. After Chattanooga, when you reached out to like to Scott to get help with your nutrition, you'd been working yeah. with David for like four-ish months. Did you have a conversation with David and being like, hey, like um, I'm actually struggling a little bit with deciding whether I need to lose weight. Like, am I getting the best out of myself because of like all this ingrained shit that's, that's in me from, you know, the last sort of yeah. four or five years? Um, what do you think I should do? Or did you not involve your coach this time? And <laughs> instead, did you just like go and outsource and go, I'm going to go get some help with this? Um, I think more the latter. I mean, I told David about it. I think I, I told David I wanted to work with Scott and that I'd reached out to him. And it's funny because David was actually really concerned that I just wanted to lose weight. And he was like, Sky, you don't need to lose weight. Like it was the craziest thing to have my coach tell me I don't need to lose weight. Like he's like, you have it figured out. You don't get injured. You recover well. You, you don't miss training. You stay healthy. Like if you focus on losing weight, you could jeopardize all that. And I was like, no, David, don't worry. Like, I just want to work with Scott because it's because of everything that I've dealt with over the last however many years. And especially the year before, like I mentally just, I don't want to worry about fueling. And I just want to work with someone who can guide me through that. And obviously David would have been willing to help me with that too, but Scott, like that's Scott's job. And he has the fueling app that you know, that's an incredible tool for me as an athlete. So yeah, no, I pretty much made the decision and told David what I would be doing, but that's also kind of been my approach for this year. I I just took the reins back. Like I make all the decisions now because it didn't always feel that way. Right. Like I'm the one who's going to decide what's best for me and I'll take your input and we can talk about it and maybe I'll change my mind, <laughs> but also I have my mind made up. So yeah. But Dave has been really supportive. It really like, I know we've gone to this analogy a couple of times, but it really does just, it like, it's just completely like get, getting out of a bad relationship. I <laughs> like know. You go through this phase of like, 
Oh, like, I know. Uh, you know, self-empowerment. It's actually like it's it's not funny, but it, it also is sort of like funny when you think about it like that. Uh, you, you know, like you're almost finding <laughs> no, yourself again. Do you know what I mean? 100%. That's 100% how I felt. Um, I'm like, I want to be the old Sky, but better, right? Like, obviously, I don't want to just... We always want to improve, but I just recognize I'm not myself. I need to get back to being myself and then focus on improving. And yeah, it's been, it's been so good. And I mean, now I can say, oh, I wish I would have figured all this out sooner, but you know, life's a journey, whatever you have to learn these things. But yeah, it's, it's been a, such a good process this year of building a new team around me and just I know what I need and want now, and I know what I'm not going to put up with anymore. And I think that's really powerful. And like, it's just so important as an athlete that you take control of your success on all levels, you know, like it's not actually up to someone else. It's up to us and it's up to us who we work with and it's up to us who we surround ourselves with. And yeah, it's, it's crazy to me that I didn't realize all that sooner. Practically speaking with Scott and your um, move to get like professional help with your fueling and your day-to-day eating, what, what did much change compared to what you were actually doing beforehand? Um, I would say a few key things changed. I mean, I'd gone through bouts of tracking my macros and counting my calories. Um, I mean, obviously, cause there were times when I was trying to lose weight and do it healthily. Um, and I think it's extremely educational to do that honestly, uh, just to understand what you're eating and macros and all that. But I started tracking again. Um, and I guess the focus just became more on fueling, very intentional fueling in sessions. And I would say I'm probably, well, I'm definitely fueling more in session and definitely more carbohydrates in session. And then like my day-to-day eating outside of training, I would say, I'm just much more aware of like making sure I'm hitting my protein targets, um, which I think I probably did decent at before, but when you're tracking it or you're just really aware, everything's just so much more intentional. So yeah, I guess I would just say in session feeling is so intentional and hitting the daily targets. It's kind of like my protein and fat intake every day kind of stays around the same. And then the carbs just fluctuate depending on the training. And the other thing that has been big with Scott is it's funny because I think our first call, he's like, how's your race nutrition? And I was like, I don't want to talk about my race nutrition. I think it's fine. Like I want your help for day to day. (laughs) But then, you know, after a couple of weeks, he got into my race nutrition and that's been great to have someone help me with that and practicing that in training. So yeah, it's not like it's been a total reinvention because I'd kind of already gone through that with eating and trying to eat better and, you know, on my own years ago. So, but certainly working with Scott, there's just, I probably overall am eating better because I'm, I'm getting more protein, maybe less fat, more fruits and veggies, stuff like that. And so now going forward, um, you've obviously had the, the really like positive and successful end to the year. I, I think your best ever performance at Ironman Florida outside looking in Thanks. perspective, um, you know, like probably probably like going under the radar how impressive that performance was um yeah <laughs> where's your head at now in terms of next year we've got the Ironman Pro Series we've got 
you know, the PTO um, series, which who knows, maybe they're going to have seven races, maybe 15, maybe zero. No one really knows. Um, yeah. <laughs> and you've obviously, you know, you've just won an Ironman. You've come seventh at, at Kona, but you also did race the US Open as well. Um, and then I think you raced the Canadian Open last year as well too, didn't you? And mm-hmm. Collins Cup actually. So you've, you've had quite a bit of experience uh, at both and, and shown you can be, you know, successful at, at either distance. Um, have you got a plan for, for 2024 and what you want to do? Well, I think like most pro triathletes right now who may be in the running for a PTO contract, <laughs> I don't have an exact plan, but I do think my main focus will be the Ironman series. Like that just makes a lot of sense for me and my strengths and, and passion, honestly, like Florida and Kona, I think really helped me see that. Yeah, I'm, I'm still one of the best at Ironman and it just makes me want to set loftier goals again. Um, and yeah, I, I would love to do some PTO racing. Like I, they really are so fun and I love being in that environment, but I think, you know, for the success of my career and me as an individual financially, everything, um, I'll probably be putting more weight on the Ironman series, but I don't, I don't have a plan. I don't have a race schedule. There's, you know, like you said, we don't know what the PTO schedule actually is. So it's, it's hard to know. Have you heard any whispers? You got any like, um, inside stories about maybe potential (laughs) PTO races or anything like that? I, I mean, I've heard there could be some in the U S some. Yeah. Tell us the whispers. No, I don't know locations. Um, I, just that there's more around the world and the U S maybe would have a couple, maybe, um, two U S races. That's what I've, that's, that's maybe a whisper I've heard, but I don't know. Um, I think there's a lot up in the air. Okay. I think there's a lot. Yeah. Um, and so you're ranked, what are you like number 13, 14 in the world right now? Yeah. I'd have to check if they've been updated, but yeah, I've been, I've been floating around there. Yeah. You're around there. So I mean, it's the top, 17 16 17 who you know supposedly should get contracts so you are one of them you would think like yeah you, you would be one of the the first people who did find out but you literally haven't haven't been told anything no not directly from the pto i mean i work with a manager and they work with other much higher profile higher ranked athletes um so you know sometimes i hear things through them but oh i like i have not seen a contract so I don't like, I I do not have a contract in my inbox to go over or anything. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so if you did do the Ironman series, you, you don't have a race schedule yet, but I think there's only seven Ironman races you can do and you need to do three. Yeah. You need to do three to win that without doubt. And we know that, yeah. you know, you're, you're clearly going to go to Nice. Like you're not going to skip Nice to win the, the pro series. No. I wouldn't think so. <laughs> no. You've got a lot. Well, and Nice counts as one of them, right? Nice yeah. It does. Well, it doesn't World just count as one. It has an extra thousand points attached to it. So. Right. Um, yeah. But, but I also think there's, there's merit to someone who wants to win the pro series going, I'm not going to do world championships. I'm going to go, you know, mm. come second, third or first in three others. I seriously think that's the real way to win it. Uh, maybe unless you're like Magnus Ditliv, who could just, you know, win whatever he wants, you know, and, and yeah. podium the world championships. He might be the exception, but, uh, and Lucy yeah. Charles might be the exception too. But anyway, um, I seriously think like someone who, like you, who could win, you know, probably 
most of the Ironman races next year. Like you could go to Texas and you could definitely win mm-hmm. that or you could go to Cairns and you could definitely win that and you could probably go to Frankfurt mm-hmm. and definitely win that. Um, <laughs> you know, like that could be a tactic yeah. but I, you, you also want to win the Ironman World Championships, don't you? So you're going to do Nice for sure um, later next year. Yeah, I would not skip Nice. And I also like my chances for Nice, honestly. Um, I mean, I'm feeling quite confident now. There's things I need to work on, um, specifically getting my swim up another level. But, man, Nice excites me a lot. I mean, (laughs) I love, I live in a mountainous area. I love climbing and descending, and I do it on my TT bike all summer long. And then um, I've heard whisperings that some top athletes won't be doing Nice. So, but I think there's so many moving parts. It's you kind of just have to make a decision based on the facts, you know, and like what's going to be best for you. Which top athletes have you heard aren't going to do Nice? Well, it seems like Lucy Charles is going to just do PTO. It's and she's kind of she's kind of voiced that, right? Like that she's 100% focused on winning the PTO title. So you think there's a chance that the defending Ironman world champion doesn't <laughs> do the Ironman world championships? I mean, I think there's a chance, but I don't know. I like it's not like I've she hasn't said anything to me. Um, that would be absolutely crazy if that happened. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I Lucy's incredible. I love, she's gutsy. <laughs> she'll do, she'll do whatever she wants and do amazing at it. So maybe she is, maybe she'll be one who tries to do it all. I don't know. Yeah. Cause I think there will be some people who try to try to manage it all. Um, and do as much of it as possible. Oh, yeah. There'll definitely be, even though the PTO are going to like, you know, sign contracts with athletes, there'll definitely yeah. be like a fair chunk of them doing Ironman World Championships and the PTO races for sure. Yeah, but what's what's the one that's like back-to-back with Nice? Is it the PTO like a week later after Nice? Yeah, um, Ibiza. Well, I guess though, then like if we're talking about Lucy and she could listen to this and just laugh her head off that we're sitting here speculating. <laughs> Reese and Lucy do Hi, listen. Lucy. They listen. Hi, Lucy. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I guess it, she could do Nice. And then, you know, these contracts we're hearing that maybe you only have to do four out of the six races or however many there are, then she could just say, okay, well, I'm not going to do a visa, you know? Yeah. So I guess there's a way to structure it to try and try and do it all. And so anyway, I can't I sort of, you've got me thinking and now I've gone off track and forgot <laughs> what you were saying, but you like your chances at Nice. Um, what, yeah. Well, how did we get on to, how did we even get on? What were you saying? Well, you were asking me about like, oh, you were saying that possibly to win the Ironman series, it could be good to not even do the world championship. Yeah. Okay. And, um, but I would also not put it out of reach for me to do four Ironmans in a year. Oh my However, God. Because I've done it before. I've done it. I did it in 2022, actually. But I would say that I would want one of those to be after Nice. Like, that would be ideal for me. Um, But there isn't one after Nice. Exactly. Right. I don't think there's one after Nice. No, there's not. Because then it goes like 70.3 Busso um, and then Ironman 70.3 World Championships and the Men's Ironman World Championships. But there's no other female Ironman races that are on the Pro Series. There is... Ironman races but not on the pro series right yeah Yeah. so I mean if if someone was if I were to target that then I would probably have to do Texas Placid Hamburg and yeah and then just hope for the best for Nice (laughs) but I I would like to put more of an emphasis on Nice than that so 
Would you stay in Hamburg and then do like Victoria, Gastez or Frankfurt? Well, Frankfurt is men only this year. Oh. Yeah, yeah Hamburg is women only because they rotate those I European championships. That. I yeah, I thought that might. Yeah, I, I guess I just stupidly thought that they'd both be men's and women's now that they're pro series, but they won't be, will they? Yeah. Yeah. No, oh, they God. won't. That's going to be so hard. You can't do four, I don't think. That would be crazy. No, I agree. It It is actually hard. Like I was looking at the schedule and, you know, I did Florida three weeks after Kona. And I honestly think that's like the perfect timing to do two Ironmans. Um, if you're going to do two Ironmans that close. And there's none, like there's no way to kind of like double dip on your Ironman prep uh, um, on the pro series. So I, I, I guess what you could do is you could do 70.3 world championships and then do like finish your year with 70.3 Bustledon and 70.3 world championships to use your Ironman world championship fitness. Yeah. Because you sort of, you need the two 70.3s for your score anyway. And if you wanted to yeah, race after, after Nice, then that could be a good way to do it. Yeah, and you could almost take like a small break after Nice and still build back up and do those end yeah. of year seventy point threes. Yeah, and you wouldn't need you wouldn't need a huge break, just a little break to like then get you to Reset. those races, use that fitness because that's when you're going to be at your most fit. But if, yeah, again, it's that, like that pro series is like it's so hard to know how to do it right given it's the first year and there's so many different like combinations you could do. Um, yeah. I looked at it just yesterday and I drafted up three different scenarios that could work for me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I was right. like, oh, great. This is just going to be like what feels right. <laughs> um, yeah. And like there is such a big difference as well. Like if you come like 11th in that series, you get five grand. But if you come, you know, second in it, you get 130 grand. So you do have to get oh, it. Oh, that's crazy. You have to get it right, don't you? Yeah. Because I don't think the difference in points will be that crazy between like second and 10th or second and 11th. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely, I would definitely be interested in being well up in the top 10 in that series, which given my Ironman performances, I would hope hope I could pull it off. But I guess the other thing that I didn't really think about is like, I mean, I don't usually have issues, but you know, you double flat and you're out of a race and that was your one that you were counting on. <laughs> That would really, that would really throw a wrench in the season, wouldn't it? So yeah, because if you ha if you wreck one of those Ironman races, like if you only have two results, given yeah. that you can get five thousand points for an Ironman win or six thousand for World Championships win, like losing one of those races is huge amount of points. Yeah, yeah, for sure. There's yeah. definitely a little risk involved, but yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's how that's how it goes, though. Um, you kind of have to take some risks or yeah. Let me ask you this. Yeah. How how much money would have to be like guaranteed on a PTO contract for you to go, I'm not going to race an Ironman race next year? Hmm. Well, with the Ironman Pro Series, I, it's tough to say because there's – there's the prize money that I wouldn't win if I was winning Ironmans and all the bonuses. And then the Ironman Pro Series bonus, potentially. Um, I mean, I think it would, at a minimum, at a minimum, it would have to be well over six figures. Oh, um, I was thinking like, what, 200,000, 300,000? Yeah, yeah, I think... 
I haven't thought about this. Like this is totally you asking me on the fly, but um, yeah, to not do a single Ironman race. Is that what you're saying? Yep. You don't race them at all. You only race. So not even Nice. Ooh, that would make it really, really, that would make it really, really high because still for me, like if, if I were to podium at Nice, like that would still be very impactful on my career. Um, yeah, you, it would probably have to be more, you throw out that 300,000 number that, that maybe, I don't know, but you can't put a number on it. Cause like, you don't know. I, the thing about if I did PTO races is like the chance of me winning or podium, even at a PTO race, I is not high. You know what I mean? So like, then I go an entire year without even having a great performance. And then I don't know how much sponsors would like that, you know, like there's a lot of variables to consider. There's almost potentially no price for it. Isn't there for yourself? Exactly. And, and just the fulfillment factor of it. Like I don't, I'm very excited by Ironman and I'm excited. I'm excited to do a PTO race, but I'm more driven about the possibility of what I can do in an Ironman than I am what I could do on a PTO race. Yeah. And like that factor of like what gets you out the door to train each day, like, Hey, you're yeah. super motivated to go and try and win the Ironman world championships in Nice on a course that you think suits you. That's probably, yeah. like, that's invaluable in a way. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know what? The answer is there's no price, Jack. I'm doing Ironmans. <laughs> I do wonder like what that price would be for different people. Like I, for sure. I, I had a gut feeling like for you, maybe it wouldn't even be about money. Whereas like there's someone like, I'll throw him under the bus here. Like Fred Funk, for example, he could have success at both. Like he could be, you know, potentially yeah. the 70.3 world champion. He could definitely come top five, but he can also come top five at, at PTO races. So for someone like him, there would have to be like, for sure, there would be a, an amount of money that you could offer him that would be like, okay, yeah. you're only racing PTO races. Same with probably, you know, someone like Lucy, you brought her up because she, yeah. she probably can go and win every PTO race next year. You know, it's going to be tough with you know, Taylor and, and Ash and, and Arnie Haug and, and that kind of athlete, but there is a chance she could, she could win all of them. She's good enough to do it. Um, yeah. Whereas, you know, you say for yourself, like you're probably more of a chance to win the Ironman world championships than you are a PTO race. And you, even to the extent that you don't think you could even necessarily have a good result at a PTO race. Um, and maybe without being disrespectful, but like reading between the lines, like you sort of just think you would be making up numbers there for the sake of a financial contract. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Interesting. I, I like, like a lot of people like, and and athletes particularly, but a lot of people are angry about the PTO taking a while to uh, release their schedule and stuff, but it does make for some fun conversation and like <laughs> speculation. Some fun hypothetical situations. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, as an athlete who could potentially have a PTO, well, who would have a PTO contract, um, I think, and I think maybe other athletes would be doing this. It's like, you eventually just have to make a plan and you can be flexible if you want to be. And if you don't want to be, you don't have to be, you know, like if PTO takes forever, then you say, well, then I'm starting my season at Oceanside or whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. It is interesting. I'm yeah. I'm excited to see what happens next year. It's It's going to be really interesting to see which athletes put a focus on what, and, you know, like you said, what works, who's going to get the Ironman series, right? Um, there could be some major upsets, you know, yeah, <laughs> it could I agree. be really exciting. Yeah. I can't wait for the PTO to actually release the schedule and then athletes start to release their schedule so that we can see like, yeah. Oh, like say for example, if 
and you heard it here first, your whisper that Lucy Charles Barclay might only be doing PTO races. If that is true and Lucy goes, oh, I'm just racing PTO next year, I'm not actually going to defend my Ironman World Championships, that would be like, that would be huge. That would be crazy. It would be yeah. crazy. And like, so it's a yeah. real, it is like a really exciting time in the sport. And it's like, oh, well, we can get frustrated at the PTO for taking so long. But if you get rid of the PTO, like say in this moment right now, like boom, they just don't exist. It's a lot more boring without them, isn't it? Like there's way less yeah. options. Um, the Ironman Pro Series, you know, Ironman might deny it, but it just definitely doesn't exist. And like the sport is so much more exciting and fun and, and it's better for professional triathletes and fans alike that that both those series are, are here. So, yeah, it's like such oh, a good yeah. time to be a professional athlete or a fan of the sport. Yeah, it's a great time. And uh, I think what's exciting too with the two different series, PTO and Ironman, um, in the long course scene is it can create different rival rivalries based on who goes where. Um, I like this. Who's going to be your rival yeah. next year? <laughs> well, I don't know who's doing the Ironman series, so I don't know, but like – for sure, for sure, there's going to be a group of women who are super focused on the Ironman series and will just become each other's rivals. Do you reckon Kat Matthews potentially? Kat's an interesting one. Um, she could do either. She could go either. Yeah, I agree. Um, that I think it's probably going to come down to what excites her. Um, and it still seems like sponsors still really value Ironman. So that may also be a factor for some people. But I hope everyone makes a decision based on like what actually excites them because that's that will make the year a lot more fun for the individual but yeah I don't know I don't know about Kat I can I could see her going both ways my gut kind of tells me that she would probably go Ironman series she's so good at Ironman um and it seems like she still has a lot she can do in Ironman and maybe even given that her Kona did not go at all how she probably wanted it to um she may have that fire in her belly to really, you know, go out and rock the Ironman series. But I have no idea. We have not spoken for the record. Don't worry about that. Just speculate. Yeah. And like, <laughs> Kat, like Kat, she had that Ironman world champs that, you know, was a long way off what she's capable of. But like I, yes. I would have said before that, that she's one of the most consistent performers um, in long course triathlon. Like she's just consistently really high level. So I do think the yeah. Ironman series suits her where she, I think she could put together three great Ironman races next year. Like for me, she's an obvious one who should like target that 200,000 um, for the Ironman pro series. But I also think you are as well. Yeah. That's why I sort of threw her up as a potential. I think Laura Phillips, the other one, I reckon like, oh, yeah. she's like, she shouldn't do PTO. She's not going to like, she, she's like Laura Phillip, I think goes in as the favorite to win the Ironman pro series if she starts it. Um, mm, given that I yeah. think Ash, Annie Haug, Lucy, you know, da Daniela, Paula, I, I can see Imogen Simmons. I can see all of those um, athletes targeting some PTO races. Even if they don't do them all, I can see them targeting some. But um, even Chelsea mm. Sodaro, I don't know what Chelsea will do. She she yeah. could do the other one. Um, she could do either. But, I, yeah. but it, you know, she came third at Singapore. Like hard to see her not wanting to do at least some PTO races. Um, yeah, well, and I think Chelsea – um, she seems to be really motivated by Kona, at least based on what she says on social media, um, which social media is not real, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, it seems like she's very motivated by Kona. She loves Kona. So with it, with the race, not being in Kona next year, she may just say, I'm going to focus on PTO. Yeah. Um, yeah. But 
Yeah. Well, yeah. Anyway, I like the I like the idea of like some of those rivalries, like you, Cat, Laura. Yeah. That could be a lot of fun. I think. Um, cool. We sort of covered a lot here. Um, yeah, we did. Question for you. Yep. you. When we talked last time, which was a relatively similar time a year ago, um, and you were you were saying like how you you didn't like what you saw in the mirror with your body, and then we've we've heard that that story, and or like sorry, you were saying that occasionally you would look in the mirror and. You know, not really yeah. love what you what you saw and 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 how you were struggling with that. But now that we've heard some depth to that story and, and that kind of thing, um, are you like, have you come full circle and like, are you are you now someone who like doesn't have any negative thoughts around your body image and it, it doesn't have an impact on you at all, or is it something that you uh, like have improved, but it, it's still there and you you still are struggling with it sometimes? Um. I feel like I have come full circle, like literally working with people who don't put an emphasis on weight or what you look like. It just, it's just taking it out of the equation. Um, and I'm sure, I'm sure I've had moments. I, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh yeah, I not once this year did I look at my body and think, oh, I wish that was different or I was skinnier or whatever, but it just has not been a focus for me at, at all. Like it just hasn't been, um, since probably, I don't know, June after working with Scott for a while and David and, um, I, I do feel like I've come full circle and I think I've proven to myself again that my body's capable of incredible performances and I don't have to be a certain number on the scale to do it. And I just ran my fastest ever marathon off the bike and I'm, wasn't near the weight that I had been told that I needed to be in order to run fast. So, um, I'm sure like any person, body image is something that I will have to make an effort to stay positive. But like, I think naturally I, I am positive about myself and I'm a very confident person in all those things. So yeah, I feel like I've come full circle, but I know that I'm not exempt from having those feelings and, you know what, we're still, Christmas is a few weeks away and there's a lot of treats and things to eat in the next few weeks. So beginning of January, I may look in the mirror and be like, oh, wow, I'm definitely not as fit as I was, but it's not going to, if I think that it's not going to be like this fear of like, now I'm not going to perform. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to correlate that to, I can't perform. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Wow. It's like, it's, yeah, great to hear. And thank you for sharing the story. I like I had no idea that's where this chat was going to go. I, I sort of, you know, got um got that message to say like, hey, there's been a bit going on with Sky behind the scenes and I didn't really know <laughs> what it was or where it was going to go. So, um that sort of took me took me back a little bit. Um you know, it's a pretty shitty thing to hear that you were going through, but it's also like a, a great story um and like pretty brave of you to come on and share it. Like that's that shit's pretty hard to talk about um and it's hard to yeah. be vulnerable like that. I appreciate you having me on and I'm I'm glad we were able to talk about it because I've wanted to talk about it, but it is scary. And, you know, there may be some backlash for me talking about it from people I've spoken about, but ultimately I think it's the right thing to do is to share. And I want to be an example of, you know, positive body image. And I want to be an example of a woman who fuels her training and stays healthy and, um, yeah who who you don't have to look a certain way to perform a certain way. Yeah. Well, I mean, hopefully the overwhelming feedback is, you know, you know, like 
positive and that, that, that you know, I, I'm, <laughs> like I think you can't underestimate uh, my experience of having conversations about, you know, body weight, body image, um, eating and, and, you know, like even like eating disorders that are brought on by this sport is that it is affecting a lot more people than what I even knew it did. And we all, yeah. everyone who is associated in this sport or, or has done it at any level uh, has gone through it in their own little way or not everyone, but you know, like I would honestly say it's eight or nine out of 10 people. It's like, it's just crazy high people that have dealt with it big or small. So um, I think you can't underestimate the impact that you talking about it as someone as successful as you are and who, you know, has had, yeah, like fourth in the world, you know, you just <laughs> had an amazing <laughs> end of the year and stuff like um, people look up to you. So you talking about those things, um, it helps. It really helps. And it, it only has to affect one person, but I think you'd be surprised at just like how many people it will impact in a positive way. So thank you for doing that uh, and like being a positive contributor to the, the world we live in. Um, it, it takes courage, um, but you know, it's a great, it's a great thing and a brave thing. So yeah. Thanks Sky. Uh, Thank you. And uh, yeah, hopefully you have a, a big 2024 and um, it'll be interesting to hear the the schedule when you do finally uh, <laughs> come around to what it is. Yeah, you'll have to wait in suspense until we figure it all out, but it's it, it's looking good. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm more interested to tell like whether Lucy's going to race the Ironman World Championship. That's the big <laughs> thing. I can't, that's wild. I mean... Yeah, I don't know. I do not know. But it just seems like the focus will be PTO. So Yeah. All right, Sky. Um have a good rest of your night and uh Thank we'll you. chat soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Jack. If you haven't been to the feeds website yet, it's time you went and checked it out. It's your one-stop shop for all things triathlon nutrition. The feed basically have all of the world's best training and race day nutrition products in one place. So you don't have to do multiple orders from multiple websites and pay shipping on all of them. Or you don't have to go to the effort of driving around to different shops to get different products. You can just head to the Feeds website and it's all there in one place for you. So like I said, if you haven't gone and checked it out, you should go and do that right now. You'll see for yourself how easy it makes buying all of your training and racing nutrition. It's also a really good way to look at nutritional products you never knew existed and try them out by chucking them on top of your order and seeing if they might work for you. Thefeed.com. It really is your number one resource for all things triathlon nutrition. 